What's going on with y'all? You're listening to Bakar with the appearance where I bring a global perspective to you. On today's podcast, we have my good friend Vukile, who's from Swaziland, but now is known as Izbatini. And today we're going to be talking about what it's like to be studying abroad, as well as studying abroad in Ukraine, as well as her home country, Izbatini. What's going on, Vukile? How's things going? Hi, Bukhar. Thank you so much for having me today. I am well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, it's early morning over here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like afternoon over there, like the time. Yeah. So it's kind of like your day is ending in a way. Yeah, my day pretty is much. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's awesome. So what is it like in Eswatini? Okay, well, pretty much Eswatini is formerly known as Swaziland. But now the king changed it after we celebrated 50 years of independence. So he changed it to Eswatini, means the land of the Swazis. If I can put it like that in direct translation, the land of the Swazi. So that's pretty much what Eswatini basically means. You know, the temperature here is great. I mean, this place is filled with so much culture. People still dress up in their cultural attires even to go to work. And even in schools, we have like culture day. And yeah, it's just pretty much a very cultural country. That's awesome. What is some of the things that stands out in Eswatini? Okay, well, the world, uh, we have tourists around the world that come to Swaziland every year for three events. One is the Umshangari dance where young girls go and they uh, dress up in uh, a special attire just for them. It's called Inlamu. So when they go there, they'll dance in front of the king and everything, and they'll go to the king's farm and they'll cut off some reed, and then they will go and deliver it in front of the king and they'll dance. It's actually called in full. It's actually called the Umslanga Reed Dance. So yes, say that one more time. Reed Dance. Yes, Reed. Like R E E D. Okay. Mm-hmm. Reach dance. So then they'll go there and they'll dance and everything. And sometimes the king will choose a wife from one of the girls. Uh, yes. Because our culture here, it allows men to have more than one wife. What? And everything. Yeah, the Swazi culture. Yes. Our king has about more than 10 wives, but less than 20, if I'm not mistaken. So yes, the culture wow. here allows them. Yeah, the culture here allows them to do that. And then the boys here have their own event where it's called uh, Luseguane. They will also deliver a tree called Luseguane in front of the king. And then they'll also have their own dance as well. And then there's one for grown men and women. But of course, the youth can also attend, you know, but it's mostly for the grown men and women. It's called Inguala. And that one is around uh, December time and everything. When the full moon is is there around December time. But then, you know, because of COVID this year, they had it later on and everything. But it was during the time when there was a, a full moon. It's part of, you know, tradition and everything. So that is what they do. So tourists, every year, they come to Eswatini for these events. And then there's one event as well where tourists do come. It's called Bushfire. It's like a music, African music festival where we have Swazi musicians and some South African musicians as well, where they just know African music and there's African food there. It's just, it's just the vibe, you know, 
just African music. Everyone's just chilled, dressed up in anything they like, you know, to represent Africa, African prints or anything. So, yeah, those are the events that mainly attract and boost our economy. Oh, that's interesting. So I want to start with the the multiple wives thing. So is it just the king who can get multiple wives or anybody can have multiple wives? No, it's the culture here. If you're okay. a typical, like, deeply rooted Swazi man, you can have more than one wife. But then now, because of Christianity and everything, people just stick to one wife and everything like that. We are also a very religious country as well. Yeah. But then our country here, they uh, they also believe well, a lot in the traditional aspects of things. Like, for example, you can have more than one wife. And, yeah, so, but then people... Because of, you know, they're more modern now and everything. Uh, they just stick to one wife. But then there's so many men here in South Africa who have more than one wife. That's interesting. I would never known that. Like, when's the best time to visit there as a tourist? Okay, right now it's about to be winter. And then after winter, in summer, around September, that is August, September, that is when we have the Umsanga Reed Dance. So when it's summer the side, that's when the tourists are coming down and everything for those three main events. August, September, October, November, December. Those are the events where we have the Mklanga, Lusegwane, and Ingwala. But then around May, just right before winter here in Swaziland, we have the Bushfire Music Festival. And that's when also tourists also come and they also come back again when it's not summer, around August, September for those other traditional events. And then... How's the weather during, like, what's the hottest it gets over in Swaziland? Oh, my goodness. And then what's the, sick. Uh-huh. the coldest? The climate here is tropical savanna, and it's also a very mountainous country. So it gets really, really hot, you know. What can I say? The hottest it can probably be is, like, 45, 46 degrees Celsius. You know, that's, like, really, really hot. And then the lowest, you can have your zeros. But then the zero here is very different from the zero in Ukraine. The zero in Ukraine, there's snow. And the zero here, there's <laughs> no snow. There's nothing like that. So compared to the other zero degrees in the world, this place is pretty much, it's not cold at all. Comparing it to the zero degrees in Europe with the mm-hmm. snow and everything. Right. It is, Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get to that. I was going to ask, which weather do you prefer? <laughs> your native country or the one in Ukraine? Honestly, they're, they're uh, pretty much maybe almost the same. Okay, not the same. It's just that that side in winter, it gets really cold, like minus 21, minus 22. And there's like snow and everything. And the winter there is so long. And then here, when it gets cold, yeah, it's cold, but... There's no snow. It just rains and then you just wear a jacket and that's it. That's our winter here and everything. Just a bit of both, actually. You know, the snow is beautiful and the summer here is also beautiful. And also summer in Ukraine is also beautiful. But again, emphasis on the temperatures. 30 degrees in Swaziland is different from 30 degrees in Ukraine. I do mm-hmm. not know how that happens. But <laughs> temperatures are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so in Swaziland... Like, where do tourists normally stay? Do they stay, like, in hotels, Airbnbs? Like, what's mm-hmm. the thing? Where would tourists normally stay there? Oh, we do have uh, hotels for tourists. Okay, not for tourists. They just come and stay in, 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 in hotels or Airbnbs, anything, pretty much, because 
where the Lusegwane Ingwala and Umhlanga happen, that area, that town, that small town is mostly where tourists go because we also have the Mandenga Falls. It's like a mini waterfall if you can put in some sort and everything. So like all the cultural and the tourist attractions are in one place. So the hotels and the restaurants and the Airbnbs and everything there around that time are mostly filled with the tourists and everything. Because there's the events that go on in that area of Swaziland. We have the Mandenga Falls. And so pretty much everything is in one town. It's called Ezulwini and Lobamba. Ezulwini. Ezivini. Ezulwini. Ezuvini. Ezuvini is where tourists go when visiting Swaziland. Ezulwini, Lobamba. Yes. They're like so close together with a few kilometers. Just, no, just same, same place. And well, there's also a game reserve that side in Ezulwini, Lobamba. That whole corridor between Ezulwini and Lobamba. Yeah, that's where mostly the tourists go. Oh, that's awesome. Was it always mm-hmm. like that? Because I know a Swaziland, the country shrunk like over like a decade, right? More than decades. More than decades. So was yeah. it always that town where tourists went or they went somewhere else prior to that? That place in Lobamba and whatnot, that's where the king has always lived. Even the king before this current king and everything. So the events where there were the tour, the, where there's Umplanga, Lusegwa, Ingwala, it has always happened there way before even Swaziland got its independence and everything. It has always happened there and whatnot. So as Swaziland started to develop and we gained our independence and everything, and then now tourists started coming to our country uh, to to visit and to watch um, all these events that we do have. That's awesome. And also for listeners to a little background on Swaziland. So Swaziland mm-hmm. is, is in South Africa but they gained their independence. And when did they gain their independence again? 6 September, 1968. So 1968, but it was bigger at one point. And now it's, what would you say? Like bigger as a town? How can you explain that? Okay. So the the, the story behind that is the king back then, King Sabuza, they would offer him because Swaziland was not a very educated country. So during the apartheid times and everything, and during colonialism, the Dutch people, the English people, they went to South Africa. I'm pretty sure when you read world history, they'll tell you about Vasco da Gama, Jan mm. van Riebeek, and when they came in 1652 and all of that. So as time went on, they saw the Swaziland, oh, there's a king here in Swaziland, and this king is not educated. So they'd give him things like, a mirror, for example, be like, oh, for this mirror, we want to take this part of the land and make it part of South Africa. And because our people were not educated back then and whatnot, they were fascinated with these things that they brought. So time and time and time and time again, they would take the land. And then that's when they only realized that, wait, these people are taking our land. Those agreements make them sign papers and whatnot, and he wouldn't even understand. So then when they discovered that these people are taking our land and they're not giving it back at all, he decided to get himself educated and his children educated. And then that was when they stopped taking the land. That's when we also started gaining, we we gained our independence. And it's interesting. And then y'all have a a monarch, not... Democratic country. We're not a democratic country. Yeah, a democratic country. 
so that so we're speaking to king and that, and that's just a great perspective as well most people you know are living under a democratic country so it's, it's an interesting perspective to hear your side from speaking from a, mo- a monarch country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the king and that that is awesome and like so like what's the like main languages spoken in swaziland the main language here is siswati okay. yes Swatis, uh, but then we do have some people who speak Zulu, especially on the uh, by the border side near South Africa. We have do have people that speak Zulu, but yeah, the main language here is Siswati. Then people speak English as well, and yeah, mainly Siswati and English. But then we do have other people that come from Mozambique, other people that come from India, Pakistan, Zimbabwe, Nigeria. But then the official language for Swaziland by the Swazi people is Siswati. Siswati. Yes. Could you say, how are you doing in Siswati? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> when I ever go to Swaziland, I just want to say that. We'd be like, Unjani. And then the person will reply, Nyapila. Then your response would be, I'm also doing great. We're going to practice off air. Yeah. We will. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to practice off air. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's so cool. So, what are some like precautions uh, travelers need to take when visiting Swaziland? Swaziland is a very peaceful country, but okay. of course, in every place there are those one, two, three thugs here and there, here and whatnot. But we are we are a very peaceful country, full with so many diverse, you know, people and everything. So, coming to Swaziland, honestly, you maybe could bring a mosquito repellent because there's so many mosquitoes here. Yeah, you can literally, you know, but uh, no, that's besides the point. Honestly, just when coming to Swaziland, just always stay vigilant. And, you know, there's probably in every country, there are groups of people who target tourists. And oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. So besides that, that's just no way. Because even no need to even carry a lot of money with you because the rates, the currency here in Swaziland is very, very low. Like one US dollar is like 15 in Malangini. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no need to even carry a lot of money with you, honestly. If you have like $500, for example, you could get your pop. Ah, you could stay here for like a month, I think. Honestly. Yeah. Oh, so you can, you can much. live like a king over there. <laughs> you from the <laughs> yeah? If you from if you from the U.S., if you got about five hundred U.S. dollars, you can kind of live like a king in Swaziland. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, like, things are also starting to get expensive, you know. But yeah, five hundred would get you somewhere. You get you somewhere. You can you can do something. Yeah, you can get your place to live. You can move around the country, and yeah. Maybe two weeks, not not a month. Maybe two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. Yeah, but but that's a great <laughs> vacation. Five hundred dollars yeah. compared going to some other places. Yeah, that's that's really yeah, definitely. People should come and visit, and I will, you know, be their tourist. To be the tour guide. I mean, tour guide. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you all good. You all good. And what's the main food dish Swaziland is known uh. for? Swazi people are like Black Americans. They love barbecues a lot. Let's go. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So we call it shisanyama, bride meat, you know. We call it shisanyama. So people, and at every gathering with 
whatever party or birthday or wedding, you must have shisa nyama. You must have it. So shisa nyama. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we have it with with pap. Pap is like a mealy meal, like a grinded corn, and when it's in the powder form. You 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 boil the water, then you just add it, and it becomes like uh, I'm trying to think of food that the world probably does know. Hmm. Yeah, but it just it becomes this big white. It's not fluffy, but like it looks like a cloud thing, but it's like hard and everything. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, have you ever mashed? Do you know mashed potatoes? Yes, of course yes. you know mashed potatoes. Yeah. But then just imagine what mashed potatoes looking white and harder than mashed potatoes because mashed potatoes are very very soft, so like harder than mashed potatoes and white. Is it like the yeah. Nigerian mashed potatoes? Yeah, okay, N- almost. It's not swallow in Nigeria. They call it swallow, and they yeah. use pounded yam and other things but then almost like that almost like that swallow that is like whitish in color okay almost like that yeah definitely oh yeah perfect example yeah yeah that's that that's uh that sounds good and it it basically is is barbecue with mashed with potatoes just to break it down (laughs) not potatoes but yes maybe but then we also do have the other um, meals here that they do have the traditional foods uh, like uh, lichoti, which is like pumpkin, uh, your spinach, spinach, but uh, a different, have a different way of cooking your spinach. And then we also have your peanuts, your ground nuts, masi, sour milk. We eat sour milk with pap or with mealy bread. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It, is mealy, mealy bread, is it like cake? No, millet bread is like bread made from corn that you can... Oh, like cornbread. Yeah, it's not really like cornbread, but yeah, sort of. Yeah, because I've seen cornbread. Have you had cornbread? In Ukraine, they did have something that was sort of like cornbread. It's definitely way different from that. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's that's awesome. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And And then what's the dessert? Uh, that y'all you eat there? Jesus Christ, dessert. Mm-hmm. Typical desserts that we do eat. I don't know the modern, the ice cream, and the the your trifles that dessert. Trifle, y'all have a trifle. Like for instance, like here in America, we have red velvet cake. Red velvet. Wow. Mm-hmm. For us here, at every, I'm trying to look at every event, they bring trifle. You know how trifle is. Yes. Of is course. there chocolate? Yeah, there is. But we don't make it. We have a supply. Okay, actually, we do have. Oh yes, so Swaziland has a Swazi. We have a Swazi brewery where they make Coca Cola, Fanta, Sprite, Ooh. and we actually do supply to other countries all over the world. Together with South Africa, we also do supply and everything. And we do have our Cadbury. Uh, it's called Cadbury, where uh. we make sweets, chocolates as well. And whatnot, mm. all the sweets and everything. Hold on, so yes. y'all y'all have your own Coca Cola brewery? Yes. Nice. That's yes. awesome. Do y'all have any uh, beer breweries or wine yes. brewery? Oh, beer, not wine. The beer one. Uh, it's it's combined I mean, together. Wine with beer. 
Yeah, I'm a bad. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe well, some yeah. people do have in their own farms, but right. no. <laughs> no, we, we don't have an official <laughs> one here in Swaziland. No. We just import uh wine from other countries and sell it in the stores here. Okay, that but yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So you made your way from Swaziland mm-hmm. to Ukraine. Yes. Why Ukraine? And out of all the countries, because mm-hmm. that's that's far. That's a far yeah, journey. That's really, really far. Well, I was studying medicine. I'm in my second year, about to be my third year in September. And I was studying medicine, so uh, medicine is quite a the expensive course. Simon. We don't have medicine here in Swaziland. The universities do not offer that. And then, so I was just trying to look at. I applied almost everywhere in the world. And the fees were crazy. So the reason why I chose Swaziland is because there were other African people there. And they told me that the fees there are quite reasonable uh, compared to the others in the world. Like, for example, I got accepted in Canada and the fees were crazy. Jesus Mm. Christ. Even after the scholarships and everything, it was just crazy. So we had a family friend uh, that told us about a university in Ukraine and... Yeah, that's how I got to Ukraine, you know, because it was cheaper when it came to fees. I feel like that's the main reason, uh, leading reason why I actually went there because I wanted to study medicine and everything. And I have siblings as well who are uh, about, one is about to complete high school, the one just started high school. So I have to just think for my parents as well. And economically, Swaziland is not the best in the world. So I just, you know, had to think for my parents. And yeah, that's why I got there to Ukraine. But the Ukraine is also an amazing country. Got there, had my family away from home, basically became home away from home. And yeah, I'm, I, what's happening right now is really devastating. So oh, yeah, yeah. we're really praying I, that, yeah, I, the war I, ends I, soon. Right. I ho- hope everything uh, work out, works out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure... That uh, what what part of Ukraine you was actually in, exactly? I was in Venetia, three hours oh. away from the capital of Kiev. Okay, so other than the weather, what else was the difference between you know Swaziland and Ukraine? Okay, excluding Africans first, just the the fact that they celebrated Easter a week after the rest of the world celebrates Easter. They oh. celebrate Christmas as well and New Year's, but then of course. On the first of every year, they also do celebrate, but then the official date where they do celebrate is the 7th of January. No, the 21st, sorry. The 7th of January is the Orthodox Christmas. The buildings, how they are, everything's so vintage and everything, mm. you know. And the people there, some people do not know English at all, like zero. They're still developing as a country as well. So, of course, the language barrier becomes so frustrating sometimes, but the youth there is trying to make an effort to learn. But uh, the food as well. Yeah, no, yeah, especially the food. <laughs> completely different. <laughs> completely different from what we have here in Africa. My goodness. But we do have African shops there. But those African shops mainly sell like uh, Nigerian food. And then now when I include uh, other Africans as well, like the Nigerians and everything, it was also another culture shock. But then I was able to just quickly end because I I, I love diversity. It's wow. So I was fascinated by everything, you know, 
the Nigerians, how they speak. And I learned that there's more than one tribe in, in Nigeria, yes. languages and everything. And I can even speak pidgin, you know, <laughs> their version of English, you know, Hadean pidgin, Seth, you know, I can right. speak some of that, you know. So, yeah. That's crazy because I got uh, friends from Nigeria mm-hmm. and they have different tribes. Yes. And- all different dialects and different languages. Uh, so Nigeria is, is, is an interesting culture uh, for mm-hmm. sure. There's a big Nigerian population in Ukraine as yeah. well. And, yeah. and is it just Nigerian or what other African countries other than Nigeria uh, and Ukraine? The leading African uh, nationality in Ukraine was Nigerians. Then we had the Indians and then we had the people from Congo, from Equatorial Guinea, Namibia, a few South Africans, a few Swazis here and there, were less than 100 in the entire Ukraine, less than 100 Swazis, you know. Yeah, it's just a few here and there, here and there, but mostly the Nigerians, definitely, and the Indians as well, Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because... Mm-hmm. You you don't come across many people from Swazi. I think mm. it's interesting. Like Swazi, I, I don't come across many people who's from Swazi land compared yeah. to like Nigeria, you know, Ghana. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. South, Ghana South was other than I yeah. forgot. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that's that's cool. And mm-hmm. and then what food dish stood out to you? Because you said, you know, you said there was some food dishes, but what food dish stood out to you in Ukraine compared to yours? I think it would have to be the Nigerian food, honestly, because I'm even craving some of that food right now as we're talking about it. Honestly, oh, the, actually, I just thought amazing. about it. It's the boiled yams. Is that's what that's, that's what it's called? Boiled yams. Yeah. That, Pardon? The boiled or yam, boiled yams. Yeah. The potato. I just thought about that randomly, oh, but, oh, but yeah, <laughs> the, the pounded yam. Yeah. Yam. Yes, and they have it with your uh, goosey your. Okra soup, your obono soup. Oh my goodness, wow. Their food is amazing. Your jello fries, your fried rice. Their food is amazing. And another thing that I liked in Ukraine was their shawamas. Shawamas? Really, really great shawamas. Yes. Shawamas? What's shawamas? Shawama. Yes. Yes. Their shawamas. They're really, really, really amazing. So, yeah, that's just pretty much, you know, yeah, that's. Out man, that is awesome. And then, <laughs> how's the public transportation compared in Ukraine compared to Swaziland? Well, in Ukraine, they do have those you know public buses where you just get in and just tap your credit card for grievance. Yeah, it's just yeah, and they do have trams. Uh, do you guys know about trams? Trams, elaborate. The tram. The trams tram. like the uh, like the intercity the train it's not the train like the train yeah those trains oh yeah yeah trains. yeah not those that go underground not those the ones that are above the ground oh just like that so move in between the houses and whatnot on the main roads those yes. trains that are on the main roads yes. yes they call them trams yes tramvai in ukraine tramvai so <laughs> yes they call them trams so yeah, we use those and a lot of Ubers and whatnot. In Switzerland, we do not have Uber. Can you imagine? There's no such thing. Oh, Uber there's no Uber. Yeah, there's nothing. So we use, like, you go to the bus rank where you just go there, wait for the bus or your combi to fill up, and then it'll, there's combis 
going to a specific place, like one going to this city, one going to that city, one going to that town, one going to that village here in Swaziland. Yeah, that's what we use. And if you don't use that, you drive your car or your motorcycle. That's pretty much it. Or, but most people, they walk, you know. And then in Ukraine, we had those trams, we had Ubers, and everything was in reach. Like, I wouldn't even have to use an Uber or a tram sometimes. I just walk to school, walk to the mall, walk to the gym and everything. Yeah, everything was together, together. Here, everything is such a space. I'm here, like, I'm about 15 kilometers from the city. So if I want something, I'd have to go to the city. In some cities, they don't have this. I have to travel to another city. It's like 30 kilometers away just to go get that. You know, oh. yeah, it's, yeah, here in Swaziland, everything is just dispersed. So it's mm. more convenient in Ukraine. Yeah. When it comes to transport, yes. Well, that's good to know. Yes, yes, definitely. And since there was like a big, you know, African population in Ukraine, how was the aid when the turmoil start, the Russian turmoil started in Ukraine? At first, we as Africans, when the tensions were high, we didn't know what to do at first. That's why we would also teach us that, oh, is it safe for us to be here? Should we go home and whatnot? And some embassies, especially in the embassy, was insisting that let the kids go, let them come home and whatnot. But then, you know, the citizens and our teachers, everyone is pretty much saying that, no, nothing will happen. And they, they were also right because in 2014, a similar thing happened, but it never resulted to a full-scale war. So they were thinking, ah, it's probably just still the same thing that has happened at as it has been happening for over the years. And then so now when the first bomb landed in Kiev, that is when everyone was like, whoa, actually this is serious. This is for real. That's when the teachers stopped the lessons as well and everything. Now we all just started moving to the borders to leave the country as well, together with the other Ukrainian citizens, you know? So yeah, and then when we crossed the borders, some Africans are still in the neighboring countries some Africans who they're if they're your African embassy or whatever country, if they organize flights for you, you'll go home. Some people remain behind there hoping that, you know, if the war is better, they'll go back because some situations at home for other people, they're very terrible. That's why they preferred to they'd rather be that side and wait the war out rather than go home and stuff like that, you know. Like for us, our the Taiwan and Swaziland are great friends. So then the the Taiwanese ambassador to Swaziland got us some tickets together with uh, some assistance from our Swazi government to get some of the Swazi students from Ukraine home. So, mm. you know, that's what some of the uh, the embassies were doing as well. Yeah, this is pretty much that. I cannot imagine like what you were feeling when that time was happening. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I only see these things in movies, and I never thought even once that this would ever be my reality. Literally, not in my lifetime, at least. You know? Right. I just never, ever, ever thought that this would be a possibility in the world, this day and age in the world. I mean, how come people just talk things out and be like, all right, let's just do this once a thing, and then that's it. Who still fights? I mean, come on. That's the thing for the Hitlers and them, not, not us. Right. Yeah. So here in the U.S., we just looking at it from the outside, like, whoa, what's going on? Because we didn't expect that to happen either. Mm. Then he mm-hmm. actually moved forward with everything. So it was shocking from our from our perspective as well. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. 
Well, I was just going to say that we'll just keep praying for this war to come to an end. That's all we can do. We got to keep praying mm-hmm. and continue hoping for the best for and get the remaining. Are, are there still, do you know, do you know if there's still, you know, other refugees still in, in there or? In Ukraine? Yeah. Or they. Yeah, there are some African people in Ukraine. I'm oh. even talking to some of the students in my school as well. But people are going back to Ukraine now. Like more than 1.1 people have, 1.1 million people have gone back, like Ukrainians and a few Africans here and there. So people are starting to go back. Did school stop during this time or you're still doing school in a way? Uh, School stopped for about two weeks, but now we're back in school online, though. Yes, we're back in school and we're learning online. Uh, and we'll learn till the end of the semester. And then we're hoping that by the time we start the new semester in September, the war would have, you know, completely stopped. So you'd be able to go back to Ukraine. So you'd be able to, yes, to go and, back. Because, and, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're doctors. We can't learn online forever. We need to be in contact with patients to practice this clinical stuff and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because when, uh, when, when, we when we spoke offline, I was shocked when you said that uh, y'all was still kind of studying, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah <laughs> we are. That is wild. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. As a doctor, you have to have hands-on experience. I for sure want my doctor to have. I want them to make sure they have practice if they're going to be operating on me for sure. So definitely, mm-hmm. let's hope for the best in terms of finishing your education Thank in, you. in your brain and. And fin- and then hoping everything just get back to peace, uh, how how it was. But yeah, just doing my best. that's all we can do. Awesome. And then where can people find you to learn? You know, learn more about you and your country, and as well as uh, following you as well. Oh, before I leave, I wanted to say that you know I'm a co-founder of the Global Black Coalition. We helped rescue some of the uh, black uh, students who were stuck in Ukraine. And over a thousand of them and everything. So right now, we're just uh, trying to reach out, get more funds from all over the world. We have had companies donate to help students. We've been able to get them into some universities in in Toronto and in in Canada, in Austin University, just universities around the world. And so so I'll just mention two accounts on Instagram. One is at Global Black Coalition. And then mine is Vugile underscore D. And then when was the Global Black uh, Coalition founded? When was it? On the 27th of February, 2022. That was the day I crossed the border to Romania. You know, Mm -hmm. I reached out to Gwen Madiba, who is the president of the Equatrance in Canada. And then I told her what was going on and how I'd want to help the others that I had left behind, you know, but not that I lived behind, we were stuck in other cities as well, because the people that I was traveling with from my city, we all crossed out. Uh, yeah, so I was just doing my best to help other students as well, you know, from the other cities. And we have helped over a thousand of them, even the other families that they had there, uh, we were able to rescue them as well. Ms. Bukile? Yes. How do you say goodbye? <laughs> Say that one more time. You can either say Ubo Salagashe or Ubo Hambagashe. Okay. Well, Bukila, that mm-hmm. wraps it up. Mm-hmm. Thank you for 
coming, listening to the Uperience, a Thank podcast you. that brings a perspective to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. means thank you very much. Thank you.